Hey, uh, Stranger Rangers, this is Bree. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. I love that. Did hey. you like that one? Hey! <laughs> well, it's my turn this week. Yeah. Fatina had the last couple of episodes. I did not have a mental capacity to try to put something together last week, so this is my two weeks worth of work. And this nice. one was kind of a doozy for me to put together. I went into this case with the recommendation from my husband. He found out, I guess it's not just one case. It's multiple. This guy is a serial killer. Oh, we and haven't been a so, serial killer in a long time. Yeah. I, I hope I do it justice. There was a lot to dig through it. As soon as I got into it, I was like, Oh shit, I maybe bit off a little bit more <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> than I could chew. But I think I'll be able to paint a pretty good picture of this guy for for all of our listeners. Um this is Joe Matheny, oh. aka the cannibal. Oh oh Bree. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. I've never heard that name. I hadn't either. And you know, there's a lot of serial killers out there. With the alias, the cannibal. Yes. And that's very disturbing. Yes. We've um, covered a, a few cases where people end up eating other people and they... I mean, obviously Dahmer. It seems like things of fantasy world. Like, my brain cannot comprehend, like, the want of that. No. It's just... It's bizarre. There's got to be, like, a very specific screw that is loose. Yeah. Up in there. Yeah. To... Yes. <laughs> I mean, one of the biggest cases we've covered, or at least biggest for the podcast, because it's the most heard, is the very first one, Luca Magnata, started out with a bang, and I'm like, yeah, how do you go from killing someone to, like, sautéing them Exactly. I kind of forgot about that part of him, because all I can think of is the cats. Mm, That too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. anything having to do with animals, I just like, like, I just got really queasy to my stomach, just even thinking about it. Yeah, that that one's a good one. But yeah, Luca Magnata. Yeah. Dahmer. Um, there was a guy, not so much eating, but he was boiling his parents' heads. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've done a couple, mm-hmm. but they're far and few in between sometimes right. because it's very extreme. It very extreme. To do something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I think this takes some of this extreme to a completely different level that I haven't ever heard of before. So getting into Joe Matheny, um, he was most well known for being a, a serial killer and a rapist in the 90s. Okay. So a little bit about Joe's upbringing, and this is according to Joe's account. I'll just go ahead and say up front, there are a lot of things that Joe says and claims and claims that he did that don't always match up with what everyone else around him claims that he said and did and and all of that. There's kind of a a little... Yeah, yeah. A little skew of perception... I don't know. But nonetheless, um, Joe Matheny was born March 2nd, 1954 in Baltimore, Maryland, where which is where he lived most of his life. Um, sadly, when Joe was six years old, his father, who was an alcoholic, died in a car crash. Oof. I don't know if the car crash was anything having to do with alcohol related, mm. but he, his father was an alcoholic. And so this left... Joe and I believe his five or six other siblings 
to now the care of his single mother, Jean. And I just can't even. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids to have to provide for. And from Joe's account, his mom was pretty absent. Now, you can chalk this up to the fact that the woman had to go out and work multiple jobs to be able to provide. It kind of seems like from Joe's perspective at a young age, like him and his siblings just kind of got dumped off on people, kind Mm. of in makeshift foster care type living situations, just going and living and staying with other families in the neighborhood or, you know... I can't remember if they wouldn't stay with like any other family members, but he just accounts or, you know, recollects being kind of dumped off to other families. And so I believe that this really left Joe feeling neglected in his early childhood. You know, you're going through the trauma of losing your dad, you're with your siblings, and now all of a sudden mom is more or less not in the picture because she kind of can't be. Right. You know? So his mom, uh, (laughs) very, I don't know the word I, I lose my words sometimes, but his mom greatly disagrees with this claim of him being neglected. And she says if he was neglected at all, it was his own fault. Mm. And so I kind of with, within researching their relationship, you can definitely sense this friction between the two of them. It doesn't really sound like they had the most loving mother son relationship yeah sounds like you said she had to go to work and and get a living for them yeah was like trying to make stuff work so i could see where she could maybe feel this um sense of not being appreciated for everything that she was going out and doing but again i can't take away the feelings of a six-year-old that's a baby not that's a baby yeah not having you know either parent around for whatever the reason may be. And so with this disconnect, Joe often told people that his mom was just dead, which she wasn't, but he kind of more or less chalked it up to that, which is really, really sad. And as Joe got older, he, he turned out to be a pretty large fella. Um, and I think that we see this ironic nickname given to large people of his stature. He did have the nickname of tiny, Okay. but yes. Joe was six feet, one inches tall. And he tipped the scales at 450 pounds. Okay. So anytime I see someone of that size with the nickname tiny, I just love the irony of it, yes. but That was his, and he ran with it. And in Joe's early adulthood, he joined the military at 18. And again, here's another claim of Joe's perspective, and maybe reality, maybe not. But he claimed that he had served in Vietnam when he was in the military, which is what led him into a drug addiction later on in his life. Military records show that he had only briefly served in Germany, in 1973 so i don't know where he thought that he served in vietnam i'm so terrible at remembering history dates oh me too so i can tell you because i had to look up the vietnam (laughs) war because (laughs) i am not a history buff um the vietnam war ran from 1955 until 1975 so there's possible two years where he could have been there right but there's no record of him being there correct gotcha only record of him ever briefly serving in germany and 
I didn't realize that the Vietnam War lasted 20 years. Yeah, neither did I. I'm going to sound super dumb saying that. Same. I did not know that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one because no. I was like, I like actually need to look this up because I don't. I don't know when the dates of the Vietnam War Listen, were. our public school system did us wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's who we're going to blame it yes. on. Yes. <laughs> so nonetheless, you know, he served in the military regardless of where he served. He served. Thank you for your service, I suppose. But this did lead him into issues with substance abuse, which, you know... Again, regardless if he served in Nam or not, we see a lot of veterans sure. from that era e- and even today coming yes. out of serving and unfortunately falling into the handcuffs of substance abuse. And so Joe's drugs or substances of choice were liquor, heroin, and crack cocaine. Damn. His mom also backs this, I do air quotes, this lie that he never served in Vietnam. So... Again, the relationship was kind of estranged. I don't really know who you could believe or not believe. I think military records would probably be the most reliable source of Information. information. So obviously, you know, with Joe's early childhood, him going into the military, serving, getting into drugs and alcohol, he obviously grew up with some trauma. Um, He lost the parent. He lost his dad early. His mom was absent, and it just doesn't really sound like he was surrounded with a lot of love. He was living in a lot of other homes. I don't know how good his relationships were with his brothers and sisters or or anything like that. And this is me just making an assumption. This is nothing that was stated in any of the research that I did, but I think that you can kind of line all of these little things up and check all these boxes and understand where someone could, you know, fall into struggles with mental health Sure. at this point. So next I'm going to take you guys into Joe's murders, his alleged murders and sexual assaults. And so again, just to be transparent, the actual number of Joe's victims is unclear because Mm. his accounts of things that he's done in his life are not always so black and white. Got you. Um, His account of how many people he murdered and what he's actually convicted of varies significantly. There are some reports that his first murder took place in 1994, while he's made alleged claims that his killing sprees started way back in 1976. Whoa. So almost a 20-year difference. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Huge. And currently his death count stands at 10, but if you are to believe everything that he's quote-unquote confessed to, there could be a significant amount more. And, for example, in 1995, Joe claims to have murdered five people in the span of seven hours. Oh. Just went on a A random spree. Five people in seven hours, that's That's a lot. That's a lot of people. Yes. Unless you had a Dexter-type room to do this at. Exactly. Weird. Okay. Yeah, that's a big allegation. Or taking everybody out in one location. Right. But it doesn't sound like, according to him, that's maybe what happened, given it was over the span of seven hours. Weird. But with any lack of evidence, he's never been convicted of this confession. And the three crimes that he's been convicted of were committed in the early 90s. And I'm going to talk in depth about 
a couple, well, one of these for sure. And then a couple just to kind of briefly go over because I unfortunately couldn't find a ton of information about them, which I was a little bit surprised about. But these three crimes were of these three women, Catherine, I'm going to butcher some of these names and I am so sorry to the families of these people. Catherine Magaziner, Kimberly Lynn Spicer, and Tony Lynn Ingracia. So the first woman that we're going to talk about is Catherine Magaziner in July of 1994. She was 39 years old at the time. And it said that Catherine was a sex worker who worked in South Baltimore. We start to see throughout um, Joe's crimes that he does have this trend of seeking out sex workers. Uh, okay. Pretty easy targets for him. And according to court records, Joe confesses to taking Catherine to his trailer on his work site where he was a forklift driver. Oh. So he was working, sounds like he was working on this construction site and was able to pop up some trailer to live on site, which I don't really think happens very often. Not At least not anymore, that's for sure. Yeah, I guess it maybe could have been a thing more maybe. in the 90s on a large enough work site. Maybe. But I thought that that was kind of convenient but odd. That is very convenient if you're doing this kind of crap. Yeah. Exactly. He confesses to having sex with her and then he strangled her. He then took her purse and her clothes and buried those items and her body in two separate locations on the job site. Oh, right there. Yep, right on the job site. Didn't even make any sort of attempt to... And it's convenient. Very convenient. If I mean, there's... you have people going in and out of yeah. a work site all the time. Having a hole dug up and refilled in is not going to look weird right on a construction site not only that but if there's no if he's if he strangled her then there's no blood right there's no big scene to cover up it's a soft kill he can just oof exactly but unfortunately it's not as simple as a strangle he claims that six months after he buried her he went back and dug up her body at this point he removed her head and then he buried her torso in a different grave what? He then took her head and put it in a box and discarded it in the trash. Why? That, that's a stupid question. Why? I, but <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, I don't know. What? I wish we could call what? phone a friend <laughs> and find out. But yeah, he he dismembered her body, reburied her torso and then allegedly put her head in a box and discarded it in the trash. When he was arrested in December of 1996 as part of a separate crime, which I will talk about, Joe confessed to killing Catherine and then told the police where he could, where they could find her body. Her torso. Her torso. So he allegedly at this time drew up a diagram for the police and said he had buried her naked in a grave that was about two feet deep. So a pretty shallow yeah. grave. And at first, the police didn't find her body because he gave them an incorrect location mm. on the job site. Also, because of the time that had passed, rain damage on the property, um, cadaver dogs were not really super useful yeah. to try to locate her. And they were incorrectly picking up a scent on the, on the job site. And so they went back to Joe about this and he pointed out a location just really only 10 feet away from where wow. he had originally pointed them to. And he also points out another location to them that would contain her clothes and her purse. 
They were able to recover the skeletal remains of Catherine, but were never able to recover her purse or her clothing. But they did find her body. And then I kind of came across like a little bit of confusing information because it doesn't completely add up for me. Um, apparently they were also able to recover parts of her skull and identify her with matching dental records. Now I don't, I don't know how they could have done this given his claim that he Decapitated decapitated her and put her head in a trash can. Unless he then took that and buried it somewhere else or reburied it with the body. I don't know how reliable that information is. I don't know how you right. re-recover a skull after it's been dumped in the trash. So Unless they found that at a different location, but sure. That would have been like two years after. Exactly. So a pretty substantial amount of time to pass to have recovered something like that after yeah. it's been disposed of. But the police were hmm. more or less or more uh, able to identify Catherine's body. Sure. Now, the case that followed this one happens in November of 1996, and this is Kimberly Spicer. Now, she was only 23 years old at the time, and again, she was another sex worker out of South Baltimore. Same as Catherine, Joe brought Spicer back to the trailer he was living in on his work site. He then killed her, dismembered her, and discarded some of her body parts under some wooden pallets on the job site. That's messy. So, so messy. And to keep the crime scene the same, and you're living on the property. Spicer's mother is to have said about her that she, quote, she had her problems, but she was a battler, always struggling with her problems and hoping to turn the corner. So I really think that he was just seeking out these really young, vulnerable sex workers, yeah, probably enticing them with drugs and, you know, Either that or their like services a place to stay or whatever. Right. Like, I'm going to help you. Yeah, that's so. Hmm. And I can imagine also just given the time of year for Kimberly specifically, you know, in November in Baltimore, I'm sure it was freezing. Yeah. So any chance to get indoors somewhere, even for an hour, you know, you know, you're going to jump on that opportunity. So the third woman here, Tony Lynn Ingracia, she was 28 years old and I was able to find the least amount of information about this young lady. So again, another young sex worker, he was indicted for her murder, but the charges were later dropped for lack of evidence. And that's unfortunately all I could really find on Tony. I tried looking up a bunch of different things to find more specifics about what supposedly had happened to her. So how Joe was eventually caught was not too long after Kimberly Spicer, and this was December 8th, 1996. This crime happened with a young lady by the name of Rita Kemper. It's unclear if she was a sex worker or not. According to prosecutors, he had taken her back to his infamous trailer where they allegedly did some drugs together He tried to have sex with her and she refused. So Hmm. that's the part that makes me think that she wasn't a sex worker or maybe he said he wanted her services, but then didn't have the money to 
pay for or such just services. offered drugs and wanted that on top of that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So nonetheless, she refused to have sex with him. And then she ran out of his trailer and he chased her down. He then allegedly caught her and dragged her back to the trailer where he Ugh. pulled her, where he pulled down her pants and attempted to rape her. That's terrifying. Now at 450 pounds, I don't know oh, how this yeah. man was, I'm sorry. I don't know how this man was able to run and chase this young lady yeah. down unless she was intoxicated right. out of her mind right. that she was an easy one to snatch up. How terrifying though, to be dragged Yes. In the middle of the night, I would assume. Probably dirt. Like, oh God, you feel so helpless. Mm-hmm. Just, just to imagine in my head, I'm thinking like she's probably grabbing it, grasping at everything she could trying right. to hold herself and probably screaming for help. Oof. Nobody in sight. That's nobody rough. to be found. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Now, during this, she claims that he said to her, quote, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. Now, I couldn't find any information to back him saying that Mm. of any victims of his that he had actually gone and buried out in the woods. In the woods, that's right. Sounds to me like maybe a little bit of an empty threat or maybe he did commit something like that in his lifetime and we just don't know about it. But miraculously, Rita managed to break free again and escape through a window, and she fled to local police officers who were her knights in shining blue armor. Yeah. <laughs> um, one source said that he wasn't arrested until December 15th, which would have been like a whole week, week. later yeah. after this. I don't know why it would have taken them a week to track him down because another source says that he was arrested pretty immediately and he didn't even bother trying to put up a fight or run from the police at all. So at most he was arrested a week after this Mm -hmm. pretty much kidnapping of Rita. An attempted rape. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is when Joe just starts getting really, really chatty with law enforcement and starts confessing to all of these crimes that he's claiming to have committed. So to talk a little bit more about those said crimes, either these are all complete bullshit or there was just flat out never enough or any evidence to prosecute him. Yeah. Any for of any further claims. So he claims to have killed three other prostitutes along Washington Boulevard, and that is still in Baltimore, and dispose of their bodies in the Forgive Me Maryland residence, uh Patapsco, P-A-T-P-S-C-O, Patapsco River. Um, According to a local newspaper, the Baltimore Sun, they reported in in 1997 that, quote, it is unclear how truthful these claims were. It doesn't Mm. sound like they could find any evidence. I mean, if he did do that and he dumped the bodies, there wouldn't really be a whole lot to go off of. That's so sad that and we see this time and time again that, you know, sex workers can go missing and there's little to no effort put into Finding out what happened to them. Absolutely. I think that they're probably one of the easiest, like, demographics of people to seek out, you know, sadly enough, because these people are probably estranged from their families. 
no one's coming looking for them mm-hmm. unless some of their friends on the streets or if they do have a family member right. or friends, you know, keeping tabs on them. Yeah. I think they are one of the easiest to just go up and missing and no one even notices. Yeah. It's so sad. Now, back in 1994 or 1995, this would have been between the murders of Catherine and Kimberly. He was tried for the murders of two homeless men. Um, they were oh. named they were named Randall Brewer and Randy Piker. So the murders of these two men come up because Joe was allegedly out searching for his then girlfriend, who was also the mother of their six year old son. Oh, I did not know he was a dad. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't either until this yeah. this little tidbit came out. So at the time he was a truck driver and he was gone for long periods of time and he had returned home from a, you know, being out on the road to discover that his girlfriend and their son, they were missing. They weren't at their home. And his girlfriend had her own substance abuse problems and he went searching for her under a Baltimore's bridge, the Hanover Bridge where I guess she was known to go and buy her drugs and stuff like that. And he kind of also believed at this time that she had maybe run off with another man. So he returns from this trip. His girlfriend's missing. His six-year-old son's missing. And he's just kind of in a fit of rage. Sure. Her to just up and leave. And, you know, maybe they didn't have a whole lot of trust in their relationship, thinking that she would just kind of go and run off with somebody else. On top of that, that's the same age where... His life turned upside down. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So that could have brought up a little bit of subconscious trauma for him, for sure. While he was out searching for them, that's when he came across Brewer and Piker, these two homeless men, and he believed that they knew his then girlfriend. Mm. These two men denied having seen her. They were like, you know, we haven't seen her. We don't know what you're talking about. Couldn't tell you where she is or where your son is. And at that point, the two men are said to have been killed by an axe in their homeless Jesus camp. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He was just in a fit of rage. Whoa. Just and out in the open, too. Just, mm-hmm, just out in the open. That's wild. Super wild. And he claims that after he axed these two men to death, that a nearby fisherman had seen him commit this crime and so he went after this fisherman and killed him too no yeah i it, it's just Whoa. it's just crazy all all of these stories whether whether they're true or not you're just like wow this guy is just like but he was tried for the two randys but not the fisherman because we don't know if the fisherman actually exists correct <laughs> yes shit what And so, again, he's said to have disposed of all of their bodies in the river like he claims he did with those other three prostitutes. And Joe does say that he eventually gets closure about his son's whereabouts about six months later. And he says, I found out about six months later she had moved on the other side of town with some asshole that had her out selling drugs. They got busted for drugs and they took my son away from them for child neglect and child abuse. And it doesn't sound like he ever rekindled or was able to gain custody of of his son. Yeah, so that is sad, although I can't say that his son would have been in better care being with him. 
So police did end up arresting Joe for the murders of of the two men, Piker and Brewer, like you said, and he spent a year and a half in county jail awaiting trial. Now, when he got to trial, a jury concluded in 1996 that there was insufficient evidence to convict him as there were no bodies and he was acquitted what? of these crimes. What the hell? I know. He's just Didn't he confess to it? Or I guess maybe he confessed post, but what? Yeah. I mean, he has no... He has no problem admitting admitting his supposed guilt for these crimes, and he did later tell police, even after he was acquitted, that he was guilty for those crimes. So it's not clear how they knew there were two dead people and found that he was the one that done it. Right. right? It's not clear. It's okay. not clear. What? There is so much. There is so much information out there about this guy, and I wish that some of it was a little bit more cut and dry. Right. But it was, you know, I, I just have to admit that it was kind of hard to dig through some of this and really pick out kind of what was credible right. or not. It's either a bunch of tall tales or... So it sounds like from him. From, from him. Yeah. Or trying to, like, legitimately piece together what is legitimate. Yeah. So... Now, you're all probably wondering, because we haven't gotten there yet, why is he the cannibal? Oh, yeah. I forgot about no that No one's been part. eaten so far, right? <laughs> Wrong. So, Joe's most outrageous detail of the crimes he committed would come from his claims that there was a period of time that he would actually butcher the, corpse, the corpses of his victims and store their flesh in Tupperware to eat later on. Oh, my God. Even more shocking, and I hope that none of you have eaten recently. We just had lunch, so this is not a detail that I'm enjoying <laughs> diving into right now. But he also claims that he opened a kind of like one of those pop-up roadside style open pit beef stands. And no. he would incorporate the flesh of the women he'd killed into the beef and serve the burgers to those in the neighborhood. Oh, so not only was he the count oh, the cannibal, but he was unknowingly well, he was knowingly, he was making people unknowingly partake in cannibalism when they would come through and get one of his burgers. I don't even know what to say. I, I think I just involuntarily kind of gagged a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a noise just came There's from my throat. There's something about, you know, um, like you said, being involuntarily fed something like that. Mm -hmm. That just freaks you out and makes you, you know, my, my head goes straight to potlucks and, yes. you know, I know different things. I'm like, <gasps> the Swedish meatballs. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Reason oh. number 283 why I don't eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. is for fuckers like this no can't put sarah into a carrot so. no <laughs> you sure cannot God. and you know he proudly claims that no one ever complained about the meat tasting Son funny of a bitch i know so gross i'm like really having a hard time like Especially because we just ate. And you know what sucks is that, I mean, we've been on road trips together and you know me. If I see something new, something nice or whatever that yeah. like a new treat, I'd be like, let's try it. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, it'd be like, oh, this 
new style of jerky or whatever. I'd be right. like, let's try it. Now I will think about that every time and I will likely take the carrot stick. <laughs> well, in a jerky stand specifically, that just makes me think of when Tyson and I were driving through <sighs> Moab and because we were going to Arches Nas- National Park and he was just dying to stop by this jerky stand. And, you know, they had yep. all these different offers like bison, yes. ostrich, turkey, yep. you know, Sally. I <laughs> So maybe I'll make it a point to like try to put his blinders on the next time we go through there and pass that jerky stand. That is so horrifying to think that people were just probably driving about going about their day road tripping. Yeah. Would stop and get the treat. Even just cruising through the neighborhood. Like, I don't know that this is necessarily a part of town where people would have been cruising through on a road trip and just hungry for lunch. Like... I'm sure he knew a lot of the people that were coming around. What a piece of shit. And probably just sitting back just with a shit eating grin on his face. Just watching me like heartburn. I know, right? And so this is the detail that really drew me into even wanting to research him because this is the part that Tyson was like, oh my gosh, this guy totally fed his victims at a at a hamburger stand, a pop-up hamburger stand. I was like, Perfect. I'm going to research that. So thanks, babe. Um, (laughs) That is so gross. And he does go on to say that quote, just brace yourself. Human flesh tasted like pork. So when you mix it, no one can tell the difference. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Mm. This guy has no shame he whatsoever. Said that? He said that. That's a quote from him. <laughs> I want you to think God. about me feeding. You son of a bitch, I am. Yeah, I. <laughs> you just ruin road trips for a lot of people. We'll just stick to the fruit stands. Right. Yeah. We'll get fruit jerky. I cannot believe that. Papa veggie burgers. And fuck you. It is, I don't know if it tastes like pork or not, but if you're not having a beef burger, then I don't know. This guy. Yeah. Well, and you know what that just made me think of, too, when you were covering the case of the guy that thought, well, not thought he was going to SpaceX, but that was his oh, whole yeah. story. Mm-hmm. And then he like pretty much barbecued his parents in the in the fireplace and the neighbors were like it smelled like there was a yeah yep so i guess this kind of is right maybe he did do it backs that a little bit oh god i know so that's the end of the gruesome details but we're going to talk a little bit about um joe's sentencing and then his um his passing so Joe never showed any remorse for the lives he took. He more or less took pride in what he had done. That's so weird. Which, disgustingly enough, I feel like you see far too often. And he said to have stated, quote, My murder rampage started out as a... Sorry. And he said to have stated, quote, My murder rampage started out as revenge, but ended up as a passion for the taste of blood and the overwhelming sense of power one gets for taking the life of another. 
Mm. And then at his trial, he also said, the words I'm sorry will never come out for they would be a lie. I am more than willing to give up my life for what I have done to have God judge me and send me to hell for eternity. I just enjoyed it. And I just hate it. That is. I just hate it when these people are just so unapologetic for what they have done and they're not remorseful at all. So when it comes to Joe's trial, he was originally indicted for Catherine's murder, Tony's, which they never were able to. Didn't have enough evidence. Yeah, didn't have enough evidence. Kimberly Spicer and then Rita Kemper, who is his last victim before he was caught and arrested. But Rita got out alive. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that was able to flee and, and get to the cops. And so he was originally given the death sentence for Catherine and 50 years for the kidnapping and sexual assault of Rita Kemper. Damn. Okay. Good. Yeah. 50 years is a good chunk of time. And I don't know if that number would have stood as high on its own or given the fact that he was looking at such, you know, heinous and multiple crimes that they were like really giving it to him heavy. Yeah. Just went with the the years. Exactly. But however, his death sentence got overturned on July 24th, 2000. Instead, he was sentenced to a life term without the possibility of parole at Western Correctional Institute in Maryland. And this would have been for Kimberly's murder, Catherine's murder, and the kidnapping of Rita. Of Rita. Okay. And then on August 5th, 2017, Joe ended up passing away at 62 years old. He was just found unresponsive in his jail cell one morning. There was not really any information of a coroner's report of Odity die from a heart attack Mm. or anything like that, but he is found unresponsive in his jail cell and spent his last years in jail. That's weird that there's not more details on his death because knowing that he had a problem with addiction. Right. Could he have overdosed if he got his hands on something while in jail, which... Is po- I mean, we know it's possible. possible. And, I mean, there could have been criminal charges on top of that for, you know, if they found out who brought it in and whatnot. Exactly. It's neither here or there, but right. just interesting that they're just like, okay, he's dead. I thought it was kind of Bed's odd, clean. too. <laughs> and just given, you know, like his health condition, too, right. you know, to, you know, why wouldn't you disclose if it was a, a heart attack or right. or something you think like that? they would want to document it because... Even his kid would mm-hmm. want to know medical history. True. Did my dad die of a heart attack? Right. And it very well could be noted somewhere. Right. It just was not in the the handful of information. Oh, my gosh. I looked through so many different websites, and there was only, it. like, one podcast that I came across, and it was really, really short. She covered most of this in, like, 15 minutes and I'm like oh my gosh how did you narrow all of that down to talk about this for 15 minutes um but that is in a nutshell and I'm sure with all of these different stories this could have been a 
much longer case, but more or less that gives you a good idea of Joe Metheny, yeah. the cannibal of the 1990s. And I think it's important to talk about what he's alleging he did too that he wasn't convicted of. Mm-hmm. And sadly, you know, there's probably families out there of victims that they have no idea that they probably crossed paths with him. Right. Absolutely. Or maybe people that are still out there looking for their loved ones. Right. And it's like, oh, those those times, those time frames and those circumstances yeah. align that could have been my sister right. or my daughter or my brother or, or whatever. If it was someone that was not native to Maryland but was driving through or sure. was just passing by or mm-hmm. visiting, then yeah, it's important to a certain extent to to talk about those alleged crimes because there still could be connections made. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I have for you guys. Yeah. Mind your burgers. Yeah. Mind your friggin' burgers. So, so foul. I know. I didn't even think about the whole like road tripping thing and how much we love to do that and trying new places and trying new things. But yeah, you definitely uh, won't find me being any more motivated to uh, (laughs) try a new roadside burger stand anytime soon. If you ever go back to meet, that will not be your first place. It will not be my first place. No. Honestly, if I went back to meet, I think one of the first things I would eat would be chicken strips. Oh, chicken strips with some like hot chicken strips with some cool dilly ranch. Ooh, I was more of a honey mustard Mm. gal. You give me some ranch that's got like fresh dill in mm-hmm. it. The the chicken strip basket at Dairy Queen with the oh. Texas toast, that was like mm. my jam. People are yeah. always like, Oh, don't you don't you miss something about eating meat? You know, don't you just want like a nice steak? I'm like, no, I want some fucking like Minute Mart chicken strips <laughs> yes. with some ranch that's like nothing but plastic ingredients. <laughs> Not that that would be my last also, meal. Also, go check out episode 152. Yeah. Because <laughs> eh, don't want to go to Burgers right exactly. now. Exactly. So a, that's the case. What a person. What, I mean, it takes a special kind of evil to, like, he, probably, he got so much joy out of that. If he actually did that. So much joy. To hand someone a burger. Yeah. Knowing that it's, you know... Somebody that he just dethawed from a Tupperware so, container so, the night before. So terrible. It's so sneaky. And it just it just goes to show that he's just he's doing it for himself. Well, yeah, and it's like you know? one level of being disturbing enough to commit these crimes and do that, but then another to get enjoyment out of watching people eat what you it, I don't know if that it's equivalent, but it almost feels like forcing someone to watch a snuff film or something. Sure. Or, you know, just forcing someone. Yeah. Or it just, ugh, God, no, I can't. But in such a sneaky way that they don't even yeah. realize what's happening. What they're walking into or exactly. something. Exactly. It's like me feeding, you know, grinding up some meat and putting it in your veggie burger. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd be like, haha, she doesn't know, but I know. <laughs> What a piece of shit. Don't okay. ever do that. I won't do this won't, podcast no. with you anymore. If you <laughs> Can you imagine? No. No. That would suck. God. Okay. Don't don't mix up your friends' burgers. Yeah, please don't. God. Okay. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. I never heard of him. And luckily he did end up in 
prison. Yeah, I mean, if Rita hadn't gotten away, who knows yeah. how much longer that what would have badass. all continued. Yeah, for sure. Good for her to getting, you know, especially with being dragged back into that situation mm-hmm. to be like, nope, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to get the fuck out and I'm going to go straight to the police. Not even like I'm going to get out. I'm good. I, I'm alive. Absolutely. But I'm going to go get authorities and it's because of her. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, she's so lucky to have slipped away because, I mean, he was a huge dude. Yeah. Huge. I mean, I'm Big sure dude. his grip alone was yeah. strong. That's wild. Well, thank so, you. You're very welcome. Um, speaking of thank you, we do have a new Patreon we want to thank. We want to thank Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Welcome to the Murder Lovers Club. Yes. If you haven't done so already, please, 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 we ask that you go and review wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, um, whether it's a thumbs up or a five-star review. We would love that. We... Um, that's what helps us get seen and get recognized and get more listeners like you and helps us improve. You know, we want to also cover things, you know, that you guys want to hear as well. So don't be afraid to throw any suggestions out. I know that we have a couple listeners on Instagram that are constantly throwing us stuff in our messages. And so that's always fun too, because it's, it's hard work looking, looking up crimes every week. I mean, there's so many and, um, Sometimes it's hard to navigate through. If it's worth it. If yeah, it's what's good, worth it. Mm-hmm. If it's just, you know, we want to get, you know, good entertaining stuff and you're right. Like half the battle of picking a case is picking the case. It is. It's just, okay, I got to go listen to five things uh-huh. before I land on something or go read so much stuff before I land on something. So exactly. There's some, I know so much about so many so little about so many cases a hundred percent yeah absolutely so and yeah sometimes so if you're a patreon too um if you have a suggestion you can email us you can message us on patreon and your suggestion shoots up to the top of the list yes cool we love it all right don't be a stranger and we'll see you next week bye bye